Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl from Happy Mammoth. EstroControl contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including EstroControl. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now look, y'all, it is crazy outside. There's all kinds of stuff going on. If you are working a nine to five, you're probably stressed out about keeping your nine to five. If you don't have a nine to five, you're probably in the middle of trying to get a new nine to five. Or maybe you made the crazy leap to be a full-time entrepreneur like me. You got the world on fire all around you in the middle of election year. A lot of stuff going on. It's just, it's absolutely nuts, right? It's nuts outside. And I could definitely see, I'll, let's speak for me. Look, for me, I know I be going to therapy on a regular basis. I believe in therapy. All right. Hashtag, uh, black folks need therapy. Hashtag. We all need therapy. We all need it. And for me, I can say if it wasn't for therapy being like an ongoing maintenance tool in my toolkit to help me stay level and help me realize that I'm okay. Everything around me is okay. Here's what I can control. That has been critical for me. And I would hope that if you have thought about therapy and if, or if you haven't thought about therapy, shoot, let's say you're like, like, I ain't got time for therapy. I got, I'm too busy trying to make sure that these plates keep on spinning. I hope that you check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's completely convenient, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, keyword licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge, which is incredible. It's very challenging to move around and find the right therapist for you. The fact that BetterHelp is providing that as just part of your experience is incredible. So find your support Get the help you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Corp today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Corp, C-O-R-P. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. Look, Living Corporate is a digital media network, right? Not just a single podcast. Okay, hear me again. I said a digital media network, not just a single podcast. So when I say digital media network, what does that mean? Digital media network means that we're creating all sorts of different types of media. All sorts of different types of media. Podcasts, vodcasts, blogs, right? Uh, Talk chat spaces, you know what I mean? Uh, Social media content. Right. Threads, things of that nature, all types of content. And what is that network? What is this content all meant to do? It's meant to center and amplify black and brown people at work, center and amplify black and brown people at work. So often in this whole DEI space or whatever you want to call it, DEI, IED, 
J-E-E-I, you know what I'm saying? The RZA, Wu-Tang, whatever you calling it, right? Shout out to Wu-Tang uh, forever. Uh, but whatever you calling it, there's this common thread of centering of the most overrepresented, right? So what am I really trying to say? A lot of this DEI work centers white people and white feelings. That's what, that's really what this space has devolved into, or maybe it already, it always was. I mean, honestly, we've talked about that at nauseum um, for the past several years. But the point is, is that living corporate exists to center and amplify the marginalized voices, black and brown, queer, black and brown, disabled, black and brown women, black and brown trans, black and brown non-binary, black and brown first gen, black and brown people at work. That's what we do. And we interview executives, elected officials, activists, artists, influencers, the list goes on and on and on. And we're always, always, always bringing it back to the experiences of the most marginalized. And we're speaking truth to power by challenging the very systems that exist and continue to persist to benefit everybody but black and brown people at work. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we do. We're not really here to like coddle or pat uh, big corporations on the back that make billions of dollars every year. Um, We're here to really have authentic, real conversations in a corporate world. Okay, that's what we're trying to do. And that's what we're not trying to do. That's what we're doing. Shout out to the living corporate team. I'm so excited about this conversation you're about to hear. We'll be back. See you soon. Living Corporate is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's incredible. Okay, so first off, you didn't know Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They have fast language acquisition, meaning you're actually going to pick up the language because it's going to provide an immersive experience for you through their program. Speech recognition gives you a trainer for your accent. Convenient, right? You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Incredible value. Lifetime membership has all languages for any and all trips or language needs in life. That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stone's offers for 50% off. That's a steal, y'all. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, living corporate listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today, today. Nate, welcome back to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Zach. It's good to see you, brother. Look, man, How you, been? you know what? I have been okay. You know, the world is just constantly on fire, but, yeah, uh, but, but we're here. We're here. Look, you know, the, this is the last time we've met. You know, you've moved on up. Let's talk about your new role at Pfizer and what it entails. Uh, so you're right about that. I don't know who you've been talking to, but um, you, you got some good intel, man. Uh, so last time we spoke, I was still in the laboratory. Uh, I was a immunoassay development specialist, right? So we were developing the the clinical immunoassays that quantified antibody levels, if you remember. Um, since then, I had uh, the really exciting opportunity to join headquarters, right? New York, New York City headquarters for Pfizer in the CEO's office working on an initiative that he has called the Pfizer School of Science. And essentially what that is, is I'm an instructor and working on developing some of the curriculum there. Um, It's a program that brings in New York City public school kids, right, from the DOE, middle school age, sixth through eighth grade. Um, And we 
show them around the building a little bit. It's a really inspiring space. We teach them a laboratory, right? Either microbiology, immunology, central dogma, the like. Um, teach them a little bit about drug development um, and expose them to careers in the field, right? So a lot, a lot of us that look like us and come from areas that we grew up in, right? Like my, my parents didn't have folks uh, in their network that were, you know, in the pharmaceutical industry. And I certainly wasn't aware of this career. I think we spoke last time that I'm kind of here by accident. Um, we're now looking to create avenues for folks to be aware of careers in this field and aware of folks that look like them, have shared experiences, um, and just make sure that they know that it's possible, right? Um, I was actually really lucky this week. We had a middle school that is directly next door to the high school that my mother graduated from, right? And so you can see the look on their faces when they're coming in the classroom and I say, hey, I hear you guys are from co-op. I grew up in Baychester. You grew up in Baychester? You work here? How much money do you make, man? <laughs> you know, uh, man. So when you see the light bulbs go off, man, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm really proud of all the contributions I was able to make in the laboratory, right? Um, I will hang my hat on that for the rest of my life. Absolutely. Um, but there's something really special about when you see the light bulb turn on in the young kid's eyes, right? And they, and they, they see themselves in you and you can see the wheels turning and you can see the questions forming. That for me has been one of the most rewarding experiences that I've had at Pfizer. Man, you know, it's wild. I remember when I was at a, when I was uh, in industry uh, before folks on the corporate full time, I remember doing a talk and like doing a office tour for some, some, uh, some black and brown kids from like inner city Houston. And they were like, you work here? I was like, yeah. And, and, it, and it's just so funny so perceptive how much money you make and I'm like and I think at the time I was making like it was like 89,000 and they were like what and I just said it I was like 89,000 what like and I was like and, and what's so funny is like pers- like everything is relative right so to me I'm like yo I'm making I think I was like 25 26 so in my mind I'm making pennies on the dollar right um, but for them it's like yo that's like the most money a lot of them have ever heard of for some especially someone that looks like them right so right yeah it's and then and then they started really because they go from halfway paying attention to really being like wait a minute and started like really formulating questions to your point like seeing the look in the eyes look you've been at Pfizer now for five years so here's my two-part question one did you envision being here this long and then two what's keeping you here oh man um so we we I think maybe touched on this a little bit last time we spoke um in short no, I did not envision being here this long, right? Uh, I remember when I when I walked in the doors and you, you get to know some of the senior leaders in the organizations and they've been here 20, 30, 40 years, right? Uh, no way I could see myself being here for, you know, this, this is a stop in the road. I'm on my way to medical school. I'm going to build up my resume a little bit. Sure. Um, be here for maybe two years. Call it, a, call it a, an extended gap. And then I'll be on my way. Um, what keeps me though is... And I got to be just just completely honest with you. I, I think I found a home here, right? Um, you, you've had the pleasure with meeting some of the amazing colleagues and speaking with some of the colleagues that we have here and how insightful they are and how passionate they are about what it is that they do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really, really cool when you work for a company whose mission is to change the lives of patients, right? Um, you don't get to be that impactful in most jobs. Um, if I was on my way to medical school and I saw you know, however many patients in a year, call it 5,000, which is an unbelievable number for a doctor to see. Um, I worked on that COVID vaccine and they got a couple billion doses out. 
right? That to me is impact. Um, and it's not not to diminish anything about the front lines, right? They're so necessary and maybe even more important. I like being in the cushy little lab space, right, with the AC on and, you know, doing my little science experiments. But um, when you talk about the global impact of working at a company like Pfizer, right, and making the world a healthier place and the community that we share as black and brown folks at Pfizer, it feels like home here, man. They take very good care of me. That's, that's really dope, man. And it's rare for for people like us, historically marginalized black and brown people to say that about a job, especially to say it about a about an entity as huge as Pfizer is. So um, that's a beautiful thing. And I'm really glad that you found a space that you're that comfortable in. Um, I think like really continuing on in that, that thread, we talked about intersectional identities um, the last time you were here. Um, you know, the fact that you have both, um, you have, you have, a, you hold both identities simultaneously, or first of all, you hold several identities simultaneously, uh, but, and, and prominently, um, perhaps most prominently, perhaps, um, is your, your black, uh, identity as well as your, your Latino identity. Let's revisit that. What did you enjoy about Pfizer's Hispanic Heritage Month programming this year? First, I'd have to tip my cap to the folks that organized it, right? Like me and Melissa did an incredible job. They, they kind of plugged me in and, and showed me that they put me on the road, right? Mm-hmm. Um, once you get on the road, it's your, it's your job to just put your best foot forward. Um, some of the highlights, though, are what the takeaways were for me. And not necessarily the things that I said or the things that I was able to, to contribute to, but the things that folks remember and approach me about in the hallway, right? The messaging about sending the elevator back down, the messaging about cherishing your uniqueness, the messaging about, you know, bringing your authentic self everywhere you go, especially in the workplace, right? Because those things that make you you are what allow you to contribute in ways that other folks in your area, in, in your business area, that is, are not going to be able to contribute. Right. Your lived experiences make you who you are. Your interactions with folks on a daily basis are your legacy. And that's what the theme was. Right. Create your legacy. And so when you get to start thinking about, you know, not just the impact that we have as a company on global health, but the impact that we have on each other as colleagues. It's very easy. Right. To, to come to work and, and to feel loved and to feel like you belong, especially when and you mentioned it. Right. This is a huge company. But one of the great things that a huge company offers is a lot of little pockets of people, right? A lot of diversity. And so you can find somebody that looks like you in almost every area of the business. And that's somebody that you can learn from. That's somebody that you have common ground with. And so once you get together and you're able to share those experiences, you realize we're much more similar than we are different. It doesn't matter what you majored in. It doesn't matter what area of the city you came from. If you're not from the city or this country, your experiences here are very similar. And what are we doing? to make sure that the door is left open for folks to walk through after we, after we leave here. This podcast living corporate it's brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all in one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with the audience and sell anything from products to content to time all in one place on your terms. Let me tell you something. Y'all might not know this, but Living Corporate, we started our whole journey on Squarespace. My website, ZacharyNunn.com, 
It's on Squarespace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate its fluid engine, the ability to create world-class templates and design. It's very intuitive, incredible. We have custom merch through our Squarespace. We have an incredible asset library, so I can always mix it up, switch and swap. It's super dope. And the fact that you can host all types of content, video, audio, all types of media, you can put all on your Squarespace. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to learn more about Squarespace, Check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You've been alluding to it throughout this conversation. But I want to ask you directly, what do you think folks miss? And when I say folks, I really mean like executive leaders, budget owners, uh, recruitment professionals. What do you think they miss most when it comes to engaging Latino, Latina talent in the corporate space? You know, I think it's very difficult for people in high leadership positions, especially at, at companies as large as this one and as successful as this one. Um to spend the kind of time that may be necessary to be able to identify with the plight. Right. Um, and so sometimes I think, and this has not necessarily been the case here at Pfizer, but I think in a lot of companies, the tone doesn't necessarily connect, right? You can tell that the lived experiences aren't the same. And even sometimes there, there, there's a little bit like a lack in, in genuineness. Right. Um, I think that we have enough folks here at Pfizer that care even if they don't get it all the way, right? And so it's not necessarily that we're missing it. It's that there are not enough of us in those positions to be able to identify it without having to put in significant effort. So I think the only thing that we're missing is more senior leaders of color, right? It's not that we don't have the support. It's not that they don't hear us. It's not that they don't, well, they might not be able to identify with it, right? But it's not that they are not lending an ear to it. It's that when you have to focus on a business that's as large as this one and as successful as this one and has impact on global health the way this one does, um, it becomes very difficult to spend the amount of time that may be necessary to make that connection genuinely. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You think about like when it comes to like engaging marginalized communities or like building up like different stakeholder groups that might be underrepresented in an organization. I think like there's this there's this weird dance that leaders do where it's like, let me figure out a way to do this without ceding any power at all. Right. So, Hey, I'm gonna get an ambassador. I'm gonna get a representative. I'm gonna get whatever. And it's like, actually the way to do this would be to actually empower this person who can speak to the business of what your organization does, as well as understand and engage the needs of a particular stakeholder group that you're trying to engage. Right. So as opposed to manufacturing some DEI role and no shade to diversity and inclusion, but as opposed to manufacturing some role that has like some pseudo amount of power, right. Or some like, or some illusion of power, you just like make sure that like the head of this department or right is, or like that is the way, because that way you don't have to worry about making a business case for whatever you're doing. You're already in the business. You don't have to, it's built in, right? I think that that's that's like 
but but again though it goes back to like this aversion to share power and this aversion of um of real inclusion right like because i don't believe that you can have inclusion without power sharing right like you know it's it's like i'll never forget nate man like i had this person her name was dr caitlin her name is dr caitlin rosenthal and she wrote this book called accounting for slavery and it was all about how modern it was all about all the ways that corporate america at large particularly though consulting um leveraged chattel slavery to develop its organizational models very interesting um yeah she's a professor uh and in the academic world she's very well known like she she'd be out there uh, a white and a white woman by the way for those who be having their own little assumptions as they listen to these conversations. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong, brother. Oh, they probably thought she probably something. No, dog. She's a white lady. And she well, even well, in the inter- Rosen, right. But uh, hey. Uh, uh, you're right. The so, name's Carrie. So, the name's Carrie over. So mm-hmm. but but and 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 as another like contextualization, when I interviewed her, she said, I actually went into this like not expecting to like find like I came in this very ignorant. She's like, I came into this not expecting to see any type of racialized or racist anything. Like I just, this is something I stumbled into as a part of the research. Like I uncovered this and uncovered like my own levels of ignorance. I like, I educated myself through the research process. Right. But anyway, this idea though of like, okay, like the overseers, uh, the plantation owners would like mobilize people in groups, but they didn't really have any power. And so like, you know, I was talking, I was like, you know, it's wild because I said, do you think it's fair to say that like these systems and these plantations were diverse, right? Like they were diverse. Like, so you think about, they had generational diversity, they had ethnic diversity, they had uh, diversity of language. They had diversity of ability because there were people who may be like differently abled, disabled, on these plantations, they had a lot of diversity, like in like during chattel slavery, like a lot, like much more, and like much more than I think. Again, because we're just lazy, like so we don't necessarily like, at, like. I said, but did they have inclusion? Like, like I don't know, like, like as as diverse as all these little, these populations were, and if people were doing this, and people would be positioned over this person and whatever, like, there still wasn't actual power sharing at the top. And she was like, she paused. She was like. I've never thought about it that way, but yes, that's accurate. Now I'm gonna be honest with you, Nate. I was just gonna say the same thing. <laughs> Maybe I'm one of the lazy ones you were thinking about, but the fact that she shares this, the same sentiment, I feel better. <laughs> no, so I felt validated. My ego, right? This was like this was years ago. I was like, oh, look at that. A doctor, a professor, agreed with me. But anyway, the point is, I think, like, so there's these systems that carry, right? And like this idea of okay, what's the secret recipe to like risk, like to engage these people. And it's like, yo, like the biggest thing we can do is find these people out in the market and, or raise them up and allow them to matriculate upwards and give them an actual, an actual position. Not again, like not this like honorary ornamental position, but like an actual role where they have, they they're leveraging their technical expertise and then as a byproduct of who they are and their lived experience, they can help support this. Now, strategically, maybe you also say, look, we also, we do want them to do these things. So that we pay them extra for that. Cause we don't, cause, cause like, like whatever, however, however you want to do it, that's fine. But like, for me, it's like, if it's not that, 
then when when budget cuts come around, when whatever comes around, then what goes first, Nate? Those roles, like these 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 made up roles, um, because they're seen as a cost center and not as a business driver. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. I think um, first of all, I, I agree with everything that you just said. Um, what I really do appreciate though is the culture here at Pfizer um, really values that, right? And I think that is is actually what sets us apart from other companies in the industry, the value that we place on culture. Um, and that means how much do you like coming to work, right? How much do you like the people that you work with? How much do you like your boss, right? What kind of relationships are you building? Zigzag growth, growth opportunities, secondments, right? You, They want you and are encouraging you to get out there, do the networking, figure out a way to better yourself, add some tools to your tool belt and figure out a way to move up. Right. And, and, and as I was saying earlier, folks are around here for a long time. So those opportunities to move up might not necessarily be in your organization, but what skills do you have that are transferable? What areas of the company might be, might have an opening that you might be able to contribute to. You know what I mean? And the other thing is there are really not that many of us that have the, the qualifications and the educations to boot, right? When you get through all of the credentialing that happens right, in, in the process for us to get hired, I did the research back in 2020. They asked me, what do we need? And I said, we need more senior leaders of color. And they said, well, in order to be a senior leader in this organization, which was vaccines at the time, you need to have a PhD. You need to have an MD. You need to have some kind of clinical experience. So I'm scouring the net to figure out well, how many black PhDs are we graduating every year and how can we bring them here? And to be honest with you, in the, in, the, in the wet lab sciences, there just really aren't that many, Zach. So we need to do our job to make sure that folks are aware of the possible, the, the possible outcomes and positions that are available out there. And then we need to raise them into them. And so some of it is on us, for sure, right? Some of it is on the leadership, for sure. That power sharing, though, only works if you have folks that are capable of taking those positions. That's a bar. No, that's absolutely true. And so, like, the pipeline piece is real. And, and I would imagine if there was any organization that has the resources to find those pipelines and help expand them, it's mm-hmm. going to be Pfizer. So that's why I'm at the school of science. Yeah. I'm starting at sixth grade now. Yeah. Right. These are all of the possibilities that are available to you. It doesn't matter that you're going to public school in New York city. It doesn't matter the background that you're coming from. Your mom might not know somebody that works with pharmaceuticals, but now you do. Now your teachers do. And when it comes time for an internship, Here's my contact information. Give me a call. That's a beautiful thing, man. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's going into like this whole, like staying on identity. Uh, we had another guest um, and we're going to air this conversation soon, but this is like a little bit of a preview um, who talked about her ability to, to be white passing. Okay. Um, she's a Latina uh, woman, how she essentially hid her identity for 20 years. Like she talks about this in the conversation. Um, what does it mean for you to live in your fullest identity at Pfizer and what in your estimation um, can orgs also be doing? I know we've been talking about this further and like on ongoing, but like what, do you, what in your estimation do you think that organizations could be doing to support that? So that that's, that's a heavy one. Um, so I, I think I'll start by, Acknowledging the fact that in a lot of ways, I'm fortunate that that parts of my identity land me in the dominant culture, right? I'm a cis heterosexual male with a very specific set of technical skills. 
And that those skills and, and those parts of my identity allow me entry into places, right? And and allow me to feel comfortable in those spaces. Right. So so yes, I do present as Latino. I am black. But when people see me walk into the room, they see a confident male that's a scientist and knows what he's talking about. Right. And because that part of the credentialing has already happened. I've built my reputation here already. Um, and so for me, being able to lean on that, and I know that, that that is not necessarily the case for a lot of folks, right, especially the women in this workforce. Now, we have a lot of, of women in, at Pfizer that are senior leaders. But the numbers, when you start looking at who are, are, are people of color, they dwindle. Right. Um, and so the fact that I get to rest on me being a man in corporate America in these spaces is already a leg up. And I need to acknowledge that first. Um, the other thing is, and, and I'll, I'll tip my cap to a, a good friend and, and someone I look at as a mentor, maybe unofficially, um, Diego Sacristan. He's the head of the enterprise level colleague resource group for the Latino community here at Pfizer. He was my guest, um, or actually our guest, Alexa is, was the co-host, um, on, on stage. And we had a conversation about identity and about what the CRG is doing to try to enable folks to build their legacy. He told me, don't care. Right. He says people are going to think what they're going to think of you, which is true. Don't worry about that. If you're showing up the best way you know how you're putting your best foot forward every time you take a step, they're going to recognize it. Eventually, it'll be undeniable. And the same way that you've built the reputation that you have now, you'll continue to do so. And that'll be part of your legacy that when you show up. Yeah, they see the, the Hispanic dude from the Bronx that maybe has a little bit of urban twang. He's wearing sneakers and has a man bun. Right. <laughs> um, but they know that with the work that's going to come along with that is undeniable. You can't refute that. You know, there's something to be said about. So there's there's accountability, right? There's accountability that these systems and structures have and they do have like, look, I'm not shy about my position living corporate and as an entity, right? Like between all the work that we do between our brand storytelling, our organizational assessments, our e-learning capabilities, um, our training, like between all the things that we're doing, we're always going to over-index on organizations and institutions and the power that they have and the responsibility they have to create spaces that are fair. And, not but, and there is still individual accountability that we all carry in terms of how we decide to push and show up, Right. So, like, I remember to your point, right, Nate, man, I worked at this consulting firm where me just saying, what's up, was like a huge thing, right? Um, I got, I, I started having, a, I started having a, building a reputation for using slang. At the same time, I built a reputation for it, but his work is crazy. Like, y'all can't really st- touch his product, right? Um I remember when I was at a at an oil and gas company and I would wear at the time I had a mohawk and I had I would wear um I was I would had a mohawk but I was all and I, and I was always suited and booted like I looked I was out dressing everybody and I remember like people people would be like what is like they, like I was just an enigma to them right they just hard and they were like he's the hardest working person you're going to meet He's extremely poised and professional, quote unquote, professional is a very loaded word. Um, and he does incredible work. Right. And so in that 
motion, right, of like not caring to your mentor's point, there's something that happens over time where you build the reputation and you have to just stand by that reputation. Like there's going to be, you're going to get really great fans, supporters, and you're going to have some people that aren't fans. But guess what? You're going to have people that ain't fans irrespective of how you show up. So, so at least show up in a way that where you can look in the mirror and recognize yourself and where you can sleep at night. That's the part for me, right? I need to feel comfortable when I'm walking out of my house, right? And I need to make sure that when I show up, you know that I'm comfortable. And and above all else, even if you can't feel my comfort, you know that I'm showing up to do a job and it's going to be done correctly, right? Regardless of the sneakers, regardless of the haircut, regardless of whatever it is, right? When, when Nathaniel walks in the door, we're going to get some work done. So speaking of getting work done, let's talk about your role. You know, like we talked about at the top of this call, you, you continue to ascend at Pfizer. Eventually, I got to imagine you'll be leading and managing teams. Is that something you want? I think absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think especially for the, the generations that are coming out of college now, uh, my experience and my, my ability to connect with folks um, would really lend it well to, to being a manager. Now, don't get me wrong. Being a manager, especially in an organization like Pfizer, is work, right? Um, and the way these Gen Zers like to move around, it's a lot of work to maintain expectations for them. Uh, and so when I think it, it might be frustrating, um, and I've seen this in other areas of the business with, with different managers, when you pour yourself into somebody and build them up, and eventually it comes to a point where they've learned everything they can from you, and it's time for them to move on. And you can see that little bit of a heartbreak in those managers when it's time. Well, I just got you fully functional, man. You're standing on your feet. You can do the job without me directing you necessarily. And now you want to leave. Now I got to start this this process all over again. But for me, I think that's the beauty of it, right? Um, Raising people up to be the best versions of themselves, making sure that they have a place where they feel like they can come authentically, right? If if it's with a mohawk and a suit, so be it, right? But when you come here, we're going to work. You're going to learn. You're going to be better for it. And- I'm going to teach you how to navigate the organization. And so one of my favorite things to do is is be a mentor. My second favorite thing to do is be a mentee, right? And this is the knowledge sharing that we need in order to progress. So it's not about how fast I can rise up through the organization. Yes, I just switched ladders. Some people would think that that was a backward step for me, but I'm getting into the business world. And this position allows me the flexibility to learn the organization from a perspective that I wouldn't be able to in the laboratory. Right. And so building that network only equips me with the skills that I need to be a better manager eventually. You said something there about you love being a mentor, you love being a mentee. And it reminds me of something my mother would tell me all the time is that good leaders are good followers. Right. And I think also it's like there's this idea. And then also, like she would tell me also, like, hey, look, good writers are voracious readers good speakers are good listeners. Right. And so like this idea to your point of like this two way in import, import, export, import, export is critical. And I've, and I meet people, Nate, like who are older um, than I am. And you can tell, Oh, you didn't really get a lot of importing. You've been exporting out of grit, emotion, some of some experience and I'm not saying that, that like you can't get some good things out of that, but it's so much richer when you're in a position to receive 
as you then also share out, right? So that's dope. My follow-up question is, what is it that you believe organizations can do to prepare talent, particularly black and brown talent, to be effective people leaders? Mm. Uh, the first thing that pops into my mind is, is don't be a gatekeeper, right? I think w- what you were talking about in terms of inclusion um, and giving up power in order to empower someone is really true, um, but it's necessary for your organization to be healthy and for your organization to grow. You can't, as a manager or as the head of an organization, tend to the things that you need to tend to and be and excel in your position if you don't empower the people around and underneath you to do their jobs to the best of their ability and even stretch, right? So the more things that they're able to take off your plate, folks see that as making myself expendable. That's not the case. It actually makes you able to reach above and beyond what it is you're expected to do, right? And so I think there's a little bit of perspective change that needs to happen, right? And and in, in a place like Pfizer, that, you know, business ebbs and flows, right? And, and, and business is cyclical. So some years we're going to be hiring a lot. Some years we're going to be laying off, right? In all of those years, though, Pfizer is going to do well. In all of those years, the folks that have been here for a long time will probably still be here if they're implementing the model that I just spoke. Right. If you're making sure your ecosystem is healthy, then you are an asset to the business in whatever area of the business you're in. Um, and so that that for me is it, the gatekeeping is it. Right. Open up the doors. Make sure that folks have the opportunities to learn from you. And I think one of the things that you said jogged this for me. And, and this is going to be the second time I quote a rapper on your show. I'm sorry, man. Um, Fat Joe said something about people that that are leading or, or that are not effective leaders. You can tell that they've never been number two. Right. They've never had to follow. They've never had to hold the door open for somebody to see somebody else shine in the light that they they feel they truly deserve. And I think that perspective is actually and I think that was Fat Joe. Don't don't he's from the Bronx. Shout out to him. But don't 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 quote me on that. Um, That perspective, I think, is what lends itself to successful leadership and successful organizations, knowing that in every single moment, you're not going to be the one in front. And you shouldn't be right. If you are doing what you're supposed to be doing as a leader. The people underneath you are going to have visibility. They're going to have the ability to showcase their their skills and their talents. That's why you hire them, right? Like That's why you keep them near you, because you value what it is that they bring to the table. Let them show that. And then ultimately, it reflects on you as a leader. You know, it's something about the fact that like, and, and you use the term, I want to make sure our audience has, they they know what it means. Gatekeeping, like this idea of hoarding information and blocking um, blocking access and or information or relationships or whatever the case may be um, in the spirit of being that really to your point, emphasizing your own value. And so like that scarcity mindset that to your point, not only harms the person you're gate gatekeeping, but it harms you too, because you end up not growing. I man, it's so interesting. I remember again, working in consulting. Um, there was a person who, they were like the project manager and they were like, they were like, Oh, well tell me everything that's going on with your project. And I'm gonna go tell the client or I'm gonna go tell this person. I'm like, okay, well, Hey, why don't you let me, since I'm the ex domain expert, why don't you just, can you, can we present it together? Like, I would like that experience too. Well, no, nah, because I'm the, I, I own the relationships and, and I'm trying to get promoted to this role. Oh, I got it now. 
right? So like this idea of really sharing, but guess what though? See how we going full circle, Nate? You talking about not gatekeeping, not sharing information, sharing resources, sharing inf- sharing uh, relationships. But another another thing that they're not sharing when they gatekeep is power. So like so like to your point, um, allowing people to shine and grow is critical. I mean, look, man, I remember and I, I love so I watch basketball. I love Westbrook. Like he's probably my he's like. Out like before Ja Westbrook was like, and then it was like like that Westbrook, Derrick Rose, Steve Francis, like those shorter, hyper athletic guards. Baron Davis, yeah. Baron Davis, John Starks, like um, these high, shorter hyper athletic guards. I love that, and I love Westbrook, and like yo, him averaging those triple doubles, wildly impressive. At the same time, it's like fam, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say it, say it, go ahead. Yo, like, <laughs> is that what this team needs to win all these games? And, like, you know what I mean? And even, like, like I love LeBron. I think LeBron is the GOAT. Yo, like, yo, if he has to do all of that all the time, it's not going to work. You're not going to win the long term. You're going to get some really flashy moments. It's going to be very exciting. This is not a sports podcast. So, please, y'all, don't be coming in the comments. Tickets. Right. Fussing, please don't be. Right, I'm about to move on. But the point is, is like, it's like, yo, like, it's a team game. Like, everybody's stat line won't look the same, but there should be something there that everyone's able to contribute. You being a stat stu- stat sheet stuffer may not may not be a recipe for success, and I don't believe it's a, it's irrespective of short term success. It's not going to be a recipe for uh, sustainable success over time. Um, you know. Look, Nate, this has been a fire conversation. Before we go, are there any parting words or shout outs? So many, man. First, I, I, I don't know if, I, if this is true. Am I, am I your only repeating guest on this on this podcast? No, nah, that's not true. Okay, okay but good. you're but you're but you're in a small population. Okay, good. Well, first, I'd like to thank you for this opportunity, man. This this is uh, unique um, and impactful. And something that I'll, I'll hold dear to me for, for a very long time, man. These, the opportunity to speak in this forum and to have folks that I've never met listen to my story and connect with and identify with the story that I'm telling and my experiences and how I'm choosing to navigate corporate America the best way I know how. Um, and it's obviously not going to be perfect. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the experience. I've only been doing this for five years, right? Um, but I'm having a really great time and sharing my story. And like I said, right, being a mentor, being a mentee listening to you have conversations with folks throughout the organization um, has been a gift. Um, I also want to thank Mia and Melissa again, right? They're the ones that, that afford me all these opportunities to be able to speak to you guys. Um, and then more specifically, you know, the leaders that I've had in, ahead of me at Pfizer, right? So my, my manager that I had in, in the, in the lab, more like an uncle to me at this point, uh, guy Singh, Incredible, incredible scientist, one of the one of the best respected gentlemen in in, in the uh, in the industry. Um, I've had the fortune of working with some really, really outstanding folks. Um, and I remember, and one more aside before we get out of here, I'm sorry. Uh, I was interviewing for a position, and we spoke about how my path is not traditional. I didn't go to to college straight after high school. I took a break. I owned a company for a little bit and dabbled, and then I went back to go get my degree. As such, 
um, when I joined the organization, I'm much older than the folks that were hold, that held my title, right? So as, as an associate scientist, I was in my 30s uh, or pushing 30. And my peers were 24, 25, right? And in an interview, I had someone ask me, is it going to be hard for you to take direction or learn from somebody that's much younger than you are? And absolutely not, right? I am a lifelong learner, and I think everybody should be. And more importantly, this person might be able to teach me something about this job role, but I'm going to be able to teach these people about life. I'm going to be able to share my experiences with these folks about how I show up, how it is you put your best foot forward, how to articulate a message without you know distancing yourself or, or ostracizing folks. We're going to be able to learn from each other. If we're going to be a team, we're going to be a family. And that's the way I operate, man. So thank you for having me as a part of this team. Thank you for including me in this family. Um, the list goes on, man. I could do this all day, obviously, but but um, really, really, just just grateful and 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 gracious for the opportunity, man. You, you guys are incredible. What you're doing is very important, and I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you, Nate, and definitely shout out to the Fires team. Listen, y'all, if y'all want to learn more about the work the Fires is doing uh, to create fair workplaces that are inclusive to all experiences and frankly like the ways that they're giving back and pouring back into communities and building better pipelines for leadership and representation not just at Pfizer but in the health care and the um, in the pharmaceutical space at large make sure you click the links in the show notes Nate it's been a pleasure I look forward to having you on again because I'm going to have you on again because we're going to be on again in 2024. <laughs> Mia, what's up? All right. <laughs> Come through, man. Happy to join you, brother. Every time. All right. All right, brother. Peace. Take good care. Yo, thank you so much for rapping, hanging out with us this week on Living Corporate. Make sure that you check us, check our content out on living dash corporate. Please say the dash.com. You can see our entire network of shows. We have all types of content that we've been publishing. Um, that's all focused on black and brown folks at work, different lenses, mental health, career development, executive leadership, right? Wellness, freedom, all types of different lenses, but it's all focused on historically marginalized, oppressed, exploited, under invested disinvested people that's what we're here for so also click the link in the show notes make sure you check out our merch cop a hoodie it's getting cool so make sure you go on the go on the website if you don't want to cop a hoodie cop a tank top you know what i'm saying cop a mask you know what i'm saying still wear a ma- look come on now the pandemic is still a pandemic and i know y'all don't want to act like it is but people still getting sick out here. Trust me, I got coworkers. People be okay. I got friends. All right, be careful. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you 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 get familiar. You know what I'm saying? Take care of yourself. Uh, and look, until next time. This has been Zach. Thank you so much for rocking with Living Corporate. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.